Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 40, Neil Before Neil. We are very, very lucky to have um, the person that's actually managed to make American football a living in this country, Neil Reynolds. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm loving the title of this podcast. It's <laughs> fantastic. I am very much enjoying it. So uh, good to be on. Um, have a bit of a soft spot for the Bucks, so uh, and history of going to a couple of games in Tampa. So glad to be with you guys. Thank you very much. Now, there can't be many people in this country that are fans of the sport that haven't heard about you. But, I mean, you know, just in case, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, back in the day, this, this, when you first stumbled into this sport, it was a different beast to the thing it is now. You know, and I remember sort of going into the news agents on a Thursday and from underneath the counter would be the one copy of First Down they managed to get in for me. Um, you know, tell us about, you know, the sport back then and how you kind of got into it. Well, same uh, so Thursdays, finished school, news agent. You had to reserve the copy of First Down, get it ordered in. You couldn't find it. Race home, sit there and devour all of it. And and same way, you know, I I was a fan in the 83-84 season. Um, and again, like everyone else, following the highlights on Channel 4, you know, getting the games a week later than they should have been. Um, and then, yeah, just couldn't get enough of it. You know, my sister, I remember my sister going on holiday to Florida um, with her boyfriend at the time. And just she came back with this bundle of season preview magazines. It was like, oh, my goodness, this is gold dust. You know, you can't get this anywhere. Um, so we kind of just scrambled for all the, um, you know, every piece of information, you know, all the magazines that you could get, all the listening to armed forces radio, you know, and and the signal going in and out, you get the Spanish opera singer or whatever it was coming in. Yeah. You just get <laughs> goodness knows what you got. And actually that's why sometimes I try not to get very sniffy on Twitter at times, but when people get all spoiled about what games are coming to London and what coverage, you know, you're not quite showing my team. I'm like, you have no idea <laughs> what came before. Just be thankful. You've got, you can watch every single game. You can watch every NFL network program. You have games in your own backyard. It's amazing to think where we've come from in the time I've been covering the sport as well. And I also heard a rumour that there was a crazy barefoot kicker that used to be in the southeast. <laughs> Kick barefoot. So I played for, what, 10 years? I played for the Medway Mustangs, then the Invicta Eagles, uh, Kent Exiles, and... I was a tight end and I uh, played a bit of receiver. I did all the kicking and punting because I played football back then. Um, was a sort of Kent League footballer, so I could kick a ball. Um, but just found that one day in practice, I was like, well, actually, let me just mess about at the end of practice. Took the, took the shoe off and the ball flew like 15 yards further. <laughs> I was like, wow, let's, let's try this again. And, and people say, did it hurt? Well, not if you kick it properly, it doesn't. But the worst thing was I was the starting tight end as well. And we had a pretty good passing attack. So there were quite a few times where I scored touchdowns and people are coming up to kind of celebrate. And my celebration ended up being kind of hopping on my left leg while untying my right shoe, sticking my sock into the shoe and then launching it to whoever caught it on the sideline, which is not a really nice thing to have to do. Um, and then try and kick the extra point. So yes, I did play back in the day and uh, still go and watch, um, still go and watch Kent Exiles, still go be, be around the game a bit. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. It was fun. I kind of had visions of like, you know, maybe one of the rules where you can kick off a tee. I thought your boot would just be sort of plant the ball in your boot or something. <laughs> there was another, there was actually in the, on the South Coast, there was another um, barefoot kicker called Rob Hart, 
And Rob, Ooh. Rob and myself were both the kickers. There were two kickers for the Great Britain team uh, in the late nineties. We were both in that squad. Um, Rob went on obviously to play for the um, Scottish Claymores. I tried out for the Monarchs. I got down to the last two. I missed from fifty-five. The guy made it from fifty-five. That was the end of that. Um, but me and Rob had a little kickoff once in the Citrus Bowl in Orlando uh, during Scottish Claymores training camp, and yeah, he won that as well. <laughs> Oh, I, do. I definitely remember Rob, Rob Hart. So, so, Gary, you've got a couple of questions for Neil. Uh, yes, I have. Uh, hi, Neil. Hi, Gary. Um, so, um, you, you actually support the wrong Florida team, um, but you did once have the honour of suiting up for the Bucks UK team back in, I think it was 2011, when the Bears came over and we played against the Bears um, fan club. Now, not only that, but you had the very distinct honour of catching a um, a touchdown pass from a guy called Brad Johnson, who probably everyone's heard of. So in terms of those London games, how key have those games been to the growth of the sport? And now, of course, it's going even further. It's going to Germany. So what does the future hold, do you think? So I think the future, first of all, kind of answer in reverse. So the future is good for London and the UK. I don't think the games, potential games in Germany are going to affect anything that we get in London. I think they're going to be bonuses to what we have. You know, I think we've got great relationship with Tottenham there. I think there's a negotiation going on between the Jags and Wembley still, but, you know, we're still going to get our games. They've been uh, incredible in terms of growth. When you think about accelerating or waking up a fan base, which we all knew was there, um, waking it up and uh, growing it even further Every metric, whether it's TV viewing figures, fan numbers, people playing at university, people playing grassroots, any way you want to measure it, the numbers have gone up pretty much since they started playing those games, uh, you know, the, the Dolphins and the Giants in 2007. So they are huge. They're here to stay. The NFL are determined to keep them. And going back to the day I caught the touchdown from Brad Johnson, it was just brilliant. So I did the fan event in Trafalgar square the day before the fan rally. And I've, you think about uh, humble brag, but I've interviewed quite a lot of big names in the NFL. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never get, I never get into, I never get autographs. I get the occasional photo, but not really very much. I normally have somebody take a photo of me doing the interview. I don't like to stand there and have the photo um, with someone. Because I went to every Monarchs game in 95 when Brad Johnson was the quarterback, I was on stage with Brad Johnson. I was like really starstruck. So Brad Johnson signed my cue card from that day. And it's the only person I've ever asked to, and I got him to sign it on the stage. Um, and yeah, then to catch a touchdown from him was, was fantastic. Uh, I think some people will suggest it was a set up and a give me play, but <laughs> I'm just going to, if there's game film out there, I don't know if there is, but go back. I caught some other passes and made a few people miss. So I think it was legit. Um, and yes, I 100% support the wrong Florida team. <laughs> I, I blame Dan Marino because Dan yeah. Marino looked like it was going to be glory days. And then we had Cleo Lemon, Gus Farrot, bad Trent Green, Dante Culpepper, when we could have had Drew Brees. I mean, I can go on and on. So yeah, it's been, it's been a harrowing experience that. So can we on the same subject of bad quarterbacks? Um, yes, but you've had one good one, and unfortunately, you're playing for us now. 
Well, how dare you, sir? I like Brad Johnson. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> since Brad, since Brad. Yes, no, but look, you won your two Super Bowls. That's more than the Dolphins have done for quite some time. Um, and yeah, you get to enjoy TB12, who's still as strong as ever. Yeah, it's good to hear what you say about the Germany games as well, that it's in addition to. That's a, a major bonus, because obviously if it involves the Bucks, it's a, a lot less travel than going to Florida. I honestly, it? yeah, Gary, I honestly think that and I'd recommend this to any UK fan. Yeah, some of the best nights I have had covering this sport have been spent in Germany. It's an incredible atmosphere. It's such a party atmosphere. You know, I think it would be a great weekend away for British and Irish fans and fans across Europe to get themselves to Germany and watch whatever game comes up, if it comes up in 2022, which is kind of what they're exploring right now. Excellent. Okay, thanks for that. No worries. Um, so uh, we heard a little bit about your playing career, but um, your son George uh, has taken the mantle of the uh, from the Reynolds household, hasn't he? Um, there's a vicious rumour that he's a Bucks fan. Can you confirm that or not? And if there's anybody else who's interested in playing football in this country, quarterback or not, how on earth did he get to be playing for the University of Ottawa in Canada? Yeah, so um, I can confirm he's not a Bucks fan. So there is photographic evidence which might suggest to the contrary. I took him to one of the NFL UK live stage shows that we did back. He must have been about eight, nine, maybe ten. And um, he had a picture taken with Josh Freeman. So what year was Josh Freeman drafted? I'm trying to think. Ten? Yeah, so, two, so it's, yeah, 2009-10. So George would have been eight or nine. And he had a picture taken with Josh Freeman and he wore his Bucks jersey and he was all things Tampa Bay. you got to realise that's an impressionable age. Josh Freeman had the chance to secure a fan for the Bucks, and he failed. <laughs> he failed big time. <laughs> so uh, George kind of then meandered through some teams. He, he quite liked the Patriots and I was having none of that. I said, no, that's not happening. Um, and then uh, he went to a couple of passing camps over here with Andrew Luck. I've been quite close to Andrew over the years. Um, Andrew actually, even though he's kind of disappeared in retirement, still messages George, still talks to us on email, still says he's there for George if he needs him, which is pretty oh incredible. Um, so he became a Colts fan and he's still a Colts fan now. Um, his journey's been, it's a lot of hard work um, and it's been quite incredible and I think I think if I wasn't his dad I would probably shout more about what an amazing story it is to have a British quarterback going to North America but I'm really kind of conscious of what that looks like and sounds like so I'm being careful but he has done incredibly well and the thing he's had and I think this is the thing that I would say to young quarterbacks if you go he's he's asked questions and he's been around the game now he's fortunate yes he gets to sit and chat to Kurt Warner or Kirk Cousins or Andrew Luck but he asks questions he, he asks questions he wants to know what a defense is doing so he's actually he's very good at uh, reading the game very good on the technical uh, X's and O's side of the game and then his technique's very good because he's had good coaching through the Kent Exiles some kids just want to rock up in the park and throw 50 yard bombs downfield day after day George last week had a session with his Exiles coach two hours of footwork just two hours of footwork, nothing else. And it's, you've got to put the work in. He's put the work in. Um, really excited to see where he takes it. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good fun Saturday nights. We're going to try and get out there. There's a couple of Thursday games, end of the season. 
which I should be able to get to and then get back in time for Sky. If not, then all of uh, Ottawa's games are streamed live online and I'll, I will be sharing the link at some point uh, on Twitter uh, come September and that's where we'll be in the Reynolds household nervously watching from 4,000 miles away. Excellent. And uh, if you share the, the link, um, I know I'll be watching for certain. I've yeah. seen a little bit of game film and he, mm. he can certainly throw an impressive ball. There's no doubt about that. Thank you. Um, what about with your, your parent head on then? He's, he's standing there in the pocket and he's just about to get killed by some 300 pound uh, defensive lineman. How does that make you feel? I'm more nervous about uh, probably about plays going wrong, about things going, things that I know will annoy him. I'm not as worried about the physical side. Now, uh, his mum, that's a different story. But actually, we do watch nervously. But I watch more nervously from a, is that pass going to get tipped and picked? Mm. Is something going to go wrong from that point of view? There have been games, uh, so two years ago in July, he had a really... Um, bad shoulder injury he was ever out for about three months and he was only 150 pounds at quarterback and every hit you were like oh, oh my goodness where's this going to end but he's put on like 45 pounds since then um yeah but i think anytime i mean i'm i'm going to be a bag of nerves watching him i know i will but it's not from a physical point of view it's more are you going to take your opportunity how are you going to do um yeah jumping up to a big stage what's that going to be like so yeah, it's going to be some some tense nights, but you know this is what he wants. He wants to put himself in the arena. Mm, good for him. If um, if it's any consolation, um, a group of us travel over regularly, and we've quite often sat uh, really close to Ali Marpet's dad. And let me assure you, Ali Marpet makes every block, every tackle, every everything while he's watching his son play. So believe me, you're not alone. Yes, I've got some footage that we had of George playing for Great Britain. And because so much you have to, to to get to college in America or North America, you have to be really proactive. You have to do your own game film, your own highlights, get it out to as many coaches as you can. So I often filmed a lot of George's plays on my phone. And oh, my goodness, he's put music over them. But if you actually heard... <laughs> The actual audio of me screaming like a banshee as he's throwing a touchdown pass. So embarrassing. So embarrassing. But that's what it's all about. That's what this game does to us. It's, and for me as well, you know, I like we talk for me to like love this sport as for as long as I have and to have to worked in it that long. You know, I, I didn't think that one of my one of my kids would be going and doing this. So it's uh, yeah, it's really, really, really cool. Indeed. That's well, fantastic. Good luck to him. Uh, that's all I've got for you. So, um, absolutely, and I think, and I think you're you're not willing to to shout about it, Neil. But I think we should. So, it's rare enough for for a kid using, you know, even with the international player pathways, even with the academy, it's all moving in the right direction. But for a QB, you know, someone <sighs> at that core, it's, it's, you should be so proud and well done. It's an achievement, isn't it? It's a massive achievement. As you say, I was there on Sunday. I saw him throwing into a net for two hours from ten feet away. You know, <laughs> that's dedication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Um, just before I fly a few questions towards you, I want to like rack your brains for a sec, I'll just jog your memory. Something happened a couple of years back, and uh, when I told my wife that we'd be talking to you on the podcast, she said to me, can you remember when we went to the NFL UK live tour and this thing happened? So I'm going to try and set the scene a little bit. Uh, I think it was 2018. Uh, the NFL UK did a live tour, and Cardiff was the first show. 
So we were sitting in the crowd and Kurt Warner, text Tom Brady, said something along the lines of, you know, can you come on or can you speak to us? And within five minutes, Tom Brady was on FaceTime on the phone, interacting with us in the crowd. Like, how mad is that? I just wanted to get like your perspective. Because oh. things like that, that happens off the cuff. You can't script anything like that in. No, we hadn't scripted that at all. And I think the off-the-cuff statement I kind of made was they were we were doing a few games through the night and it was offensive guys, uh, Kurt Warner and Michael Irvin against William McGuinness and Cliff Averill. And they were, I was chalking up points for them. And I think I might have said something like, you know, if anyone can text someone famous or something like That's that. But it, it wasn't even... It was. I, I can genuinely tell you, it wasn't enough. It was a script. throwaway comment. Wasn't it? it was a throwaway line from me, and then Kurt kind of went quiet. And then I just remember the Michael Irvin just went, "That's Tom Brady on your FaceTime." I was like, "No, stop!" It was brilliant. It was just one of those completely unscripted. And good on Tom to yeah. come on and to and do that. And you know, I've I've interviewed Tom a couple of times, and he gets stick from everyone who, of course, is jealous of what he's produced and hate. He's a top guy. He really is a top, top bloke. And, and that, those nights actually, just to say in Cardiff, you know, some of the places we went, you know, we've got great receptions. Those NFL UK lives are about getting out of London and mm. you know, we'd have people queuing in, in Edinburgh for three or four hours before the show starts in Dublin. But I always think some of the rowdiest ones and the, some of the, the crowd that was so into it the most was in Cardiff. And, and there's a couple that, the Kurt Warner one, um, Kevin Cadle had been kind of moved on by Sky. And then I brought him back to come on the tour with me. And the whole place was chanting Kev, Kev, Kev. And yeah, what, eight, nine months after that, he was he was gone. And oh, that's such a memory for me, that one. Um, Cardiff was where uh, Emmanuel Sanders pranked Josh Norman as well. We got the whole crowd. They'd been hyping each other up and hyping the crowds up and trying to get bigger cheers everywhere they went. So we um, we got, uh, Emmanuel came out to a huge reception, really raucous crowd cheering, and we'd prearranged with the crowd that nobody would cheer when Josh Norman came out. <laughs> so he's walking from the back of the room, and he's like, no, 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 stop, don't, let's not do that. And I was like, no, come on, Josh, we need to go. And then I kind of said to somebody, I told you we should have got Richard Sherman. And then all we did we had a Giants fan in the front row wearing an Odell Beckham shirt and we just got him to stand up and give Josh Norman a hug. It was brilliant. Just, just great moments. And for me, honestly, when I'm in a TV studio, I see a red light above a camera yeah. and that's what I'm talking to. I know who I'm talking to because I'm very fortunate to, to see the same fans or see fans at tailgates and stuff, but it's nothing like being on a stage and looking out and seeing the people who basically have the same interests and passion as you and because I'm a fan as well that's all I am is a, a fan but they just gave me a microphone <laughs> oh it's brilliant and mm. I can't like that was one of the moments for me where I thought Tom Brady guess you know he's promoting the yeah. NFL to the whole world it was a really good thing to happen in the crowd um another question Charles Dagnall now we know he's, he's been on our show. We've had him on. We can talk NFL with Charles all day. He's great. He's but an honorary you, Bucks a, UK member. He's an honorary Bucks UK member, yeah. But you and him done a pre-season uh, podcast where you were going back and forth a bit with uh, the Bucks' chances of winning the Super Bowl. So I want to know, is there any like point of the season where you thought that 
the Bucks could actually do it? You know, was there any standout moment where you thought the Bucks could actually go all the way and win this? Um, I think the the point where I felt like they could really do it was when they beat New Orleans in the playoffs. That was that to me. Then I was like, I think they're going to go to Lambeau and I think they're going to win as well. Um, I mean, I think clearly the turning point was the loss to Kansas City. You know, my mm. my new season. Shameless plug coming up, fellas. Brace yourselves, strap <laughs> yourselves in. Uh, the new season of the Neil Reynolds podcast is coming up soon. And the first episode is with Ryan Jensen. And Ryan said, you know, just how much they kind of walked into that locker room after that loss to uh, to the Chiefs. And Brady stood before the team when we're not losing another game. And I say, and it just sounds like kind of something you might say or be expected to say yeah. as a quarterback. <laughs> but they didn't. And, and no. they just completely bought into Brady leading from the front. I think there's probably a meshing of Brady and Bruce Arians and what they were kind of working and calling. I think Brady and uh, Brady and the receivers, it's all about timing. You think about what they did in terms of winning the Super Bowl, having a you know, high-scoring offense, scoring more than 30 points a game with no off-season, no minicamps, and in the that COVID environment, Ooh. it was incredible. So I think I really started to kind of believe when they beat the Saints, because there'd been that wobbly bit and there'd been that wobbly month where they'd lost to the Rams, to the yeah, to the Saints. Yeah, Bear, and, and it was not looking great. They lose to the Chiefs, which then clearly galvanised them and that was their turning point. And I kind of got on the bandwagon in the playoffs. I didn't want to get jump on too soon. You know, I'm a bit of a glory hunter. I got on near the end. I was delighted to see him win it. I was delighted to see Brady uh, win it because I think it was such a great story that he went. I was sick of seeing him win it with New England, to be honest. I didn't want to see him win it ever again with them. But I was happy for him. Um, and I love Bruce Arians. I think he's just brilliant. So I was glad he got the win. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same for you, but... I see Tom Brady differently now. He's a different Tom. He's like a fun Tom, a happy Tom, instead of that all win at all costs type guy you drilled into. He's like fun loving throwing the Lombardi across the river. He's yeah. doing all these fun things now. It's like when Darth, Darth Vader turned good, didn't he, at the end of Return of the Jedi? <laughs> so it's Tom's kind of turned good. If this was a movie, he's gone on the good side. Yeah. I, think there's, I think that's absolutely true. You know, Gronk said before that, you know, you're not allowed to be yourself in. Um, in New England, I think that's a real thing. I, I genuinely mm. do. I think Tom's got a fun side to him. We see that on his social media. Gronk, of course, is that way. What's tremendous about it is that he, you know, this way I think surely Bill Belichick knows well enough that putting something on social media or answering a question in a fun way is not going to affect wins and losses on Sunday. But he, he does believe he doesn't give you yeah. anything. So I interviewed Bill Belichick once. I remember it being in, right on the 50 yard line inside Gillette stadium and Brady had already won three Super Bowls by then. And I was like, you're looking at one of the greatest of all time, aren't you? And he wouldn't be drawn on it. He wouldn't say it. Wouldn't utter those words. He was like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. We're happy <laughs> with where he good. is. It's like, man, just let them enjoy themselves. So, you know, I think the other thing is they're allowed to enjoy themselves. When I, interviewed, when I interviewed Bruce Arians uh, in season one of the Neil Reynolds podcast, still available, you go back and re listen to him. Um, he said, he's got, you know, this is a guy who's a cancer survivor. He's 68 years old. He's coached in the NFL. He's done everything he wanted to do. He's just going to live how he wants to live. He's going to say what he wants to say. 
And I think Brady's the same way. Talk about playing with house money. They can have fun. But also, I think it shows no one's going to be more demanding on a Sunday than Tom Brady. No one's going to demand more of those around him than Brady. So why not have fun and then be ready to play when it's game time? That, to me, is surprising that Belichick has never kind of let up on his team. It's always like this iron fist. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way, especially with modern-day players. Yeah, that's right. And talk of the differences between, like, uh, B.A. and Belichick. Like, the Bucks and B.A. are pioneering the way for diversity within the NFL. Mm. I know we have four black coordinators, two female coaches. So where, what do you think the next steps are for diversity within the NFL? I think we'll see, I think we'll see more and more, as you said, I, and I think they'll just become coaches. You know, they're, they're good stories. Katie Sowers will now just be a coach. You know, what mm-hmm. are you doing on Sundays for whichever team, you know, she is coaching for? I'd like to see more British coaches and European coaches mm-hmm. uh, involved. I think Adam Dirty has kind of paved the way there for some others, and there are plenty out there. Um, so, yeah, I think, and I think Bruce Arians was a kind of, you know, he knew when he got to the end of his playing days, he wasn't going to play in the NFL. And people gave him an opportunity to start coaching. And I think he's about those opportunities. And so I think it's just going to become more and more of the norm to where it doesn't become a story as much. Yeah. It's quite right that it's a story now but I don't think it always will be. And just going back to the last thing with BA and Bill Belichick, the difference is, I mean, who would you rather go on a night out with? I mean, <laughs> BA would get you in trouble, but yeah. it'd be a good night. Oh, BA would be a brilliant night out. That's definitely um, a bring the passport and a pair of socks sort of night out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> make sure you got you make sure you got the number of your one phone call. Yeah. <laughs> He's 68. We'd probably out drink us all. Oh, <laughs> really? Absolutely. He enjoys it. Too tailgating yeah last question from me and it's probably the main question that all our viewers want to know do you think the bucks can go back to back are we you know what's the chances of us doing it again yeah i do i think there's some you know i think we've got i to me there's three kind of elite level teams in the nfl i think that's the bucks obviously returning all the starters that's the headline but there were other key contributors as well and you know i think you look at the offense will continue to grow uh, whole off season together. How do you attack the defense? I mean, you can't run on them. <laughs> then you can't do anything against the linebackers and the secondary, which a couple of years back was getting called out by Bruce Arians, is a strength as well now. So, you know, fantastic defense. So there's to me, there's three elite teams. That's the Bucks. It's the Chiefs are always going to be there or thereabouts with Patrick Mahomes. I would put Buffalo into that mix this year with Josh Allen. I think he's going to have a really special season. Um, and then the fourth one is dependent on number 12 playing for the Green Bay Packers. You know, because otherwise I say they're a step below, but they're a huge step below. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you need to bounce the ball here or there. But the, what the Bucks will now be learning is that Tom Brady hits reset. And Tom Brady will want number eight as much as he wanted number seven. You know, it's just the classic thing. Which one's your favorite, Tom? The next one. It's his, it's his, it's his genuine belief. And that's his whole kind of mantra. So yes, hundred percent. One of a one of a, you know, one of two or three teams that are the the favourites for me. Yeah. And then it's do you get the bounce of the ball? Oh, well, that's some great answers there. Thanks for answering those questions.
and uh, Angus Backer, you Kieran. Yeah, thank you. And so just a very, very quick segue for our, our member spot. Uh, we had our AGM this week. Um, anyone who's got any feedback following the AGM, give us a shout. Um, for those of you that were there and saw our new filming of Bucks UK Fighting Squawk, uh, you can expect that episode coming up soon. If you've watched BBC Radio's Fighting Talk, you'll know exactly what, what happened. Uh, defending the Indefensible was particularly uh, interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll say no more other than that. Please make sure you follow us on social media. We were delighted to get to 6,000 uh, likes on Twitter, but we're, we're way behind on Facebook and, uh, and Instagram. I know that Adam, Adam helps us out on. So please do interact with us, whether you're stateside or not. If you're a Bucks fan in the UK, make sure you join. Head over to bucksuk.org and click on join. Um, so, uh, Neil, we now have uh, sort of a few lightning questions from our members, because as well as obviously as being a podcast, we are a, a fan club. So we wanted to make sure that everyone ha had a chance to ask you some questions. So before we get into the members' questions, Neil, you mentioned about the, the evidence. Um, we've managed to find some of the evidence there of, uh, of you with, uh, with, awesome. with Brad yeah. Johnson. <laughs> you know, Brad's you... calling out the play as well. You know, I'm, I'm listening <laughs> in. We had, a, we had something special lined up. I don't know what that's, that guy in 99 for the bear is. looks like an athlete coming off the edge. He's going to have to get the ball out quick, I think, Brad. <laughs> there you go. Just the worst thing was, happened. the worst, well, obviously, like, two things. Got some hair. Uh, that's one. Uh, I was hosting the uh, all the tailgate stuff that day as well out at Wembley, and we were starting about twenty minutes after this game finished. And Sky were out there filming this as well. They got some clips they put in the show, but Wembley that had like the huge car parks. And I had to get so I was first of all wasn't in that great a shape, so uh, was catching uh, catching the passes from Brad. Then had to run all the way across to host and got there about five minutes before I went on stage. And literally the first couple of interviews of me, like just that like, drip, drip, where I was <laughs> sweating so much. Um, but I've been catching passes from George in the park, so I'm all right now. I, I could dominate even further, I reckon, this year if we had that. Oh, you're fighting fit. Mm -hmm. and, and speaking of hair and fighting fit, have you seen that one recently? Not recently. Crikey. <laughs> Look, they won't even let me sit properly back, though. Look, I'm having to kind of edge forward. They won't let me squeeze in. Um, but yeah, that uh, that's you and wow. Nick Darton. I couldn't work out who the other guy was. I can't see, let me hang on because I, I can't see the uh, the box. <laughs> my box is over the but I even found a press kit clipping tight end Neil Reddle scoop the offensive MVP. You got the uh, the club award for the year, right? 31 so Nick... catches, 221 yards. Oh, it should have 31 catches was all right. <laughs> the average was 221 divided by 31. It's definitely not 10 yards a catch, is it? <laughs> I think that's actually. Throw it to me at the line of scrimmage. I'm six foot three. That's fall over immediately, but stretch out. That's probably, they did used to call me downtown Reynolds, the uh, teammates. But, um, Nick Dart was a running back. His brother, yeah. Dan, was our quarterback. He was very good. He was legendary. Uh, and the guy, uh, the guy uh, to my left, so on the right of the picture, I do not know. That's bad. Yeah. I apologize. Well, if you're there, get in touch. We'll put the record straight. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Look at those anyway. locks. <laughs> so on to our member questions quickly we'll zip through these so tom lawrence um kind of got two for one but they're related so which rookie do you think will have the best season and are there any other nfl players that you think are going to have a breakout season right so the obvious one uh would be like oh trevor lawrence zach wilson so we'll stay away from quarterbacks uh i think i'm very interested to watch kyle pitts highest ever drafted tight end see what the falcons can do with him working with matt ryan they've still got calvin ridley um I think Arizona are taking a very interesting approach on defense. 
uh, with Zaven Collins. That's another positionless defender that we talk about in today's NFL. Um, and Pittsburgh running back Najee Harris, their running game was terrible last year. He looks the real deal, kind of small man's quickness in a big man's body, but their line might be a bit shaky. So I worry about that one. Uh, breakout, I'm going to stick with the Bucks. So it's because I've in my uh, preview magazine, uh, which comes out now, the Gridiron Annual, another plug, um, I've done a breakout player for every team. So I'll give you the Bucks one. I did Tristan Wirfs. And I don't think it's really a breakout because he was already very good. But I don't think offensive linemen, especially rookie offensive linemen, kind of get the props they deserve. And I think this kid will become known as one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL this season. You look at last year, I've got some numbers, 1,073 snaps, 702 pass blocking plays. He only gave up one sack. That's incredible. Amazing. What a player. As a rookie, and he was up against some big guys. Oh, yeah. Cam Jordan, first game out test, dealt with him pretty well, I thought. Mm. And he's pretty good for the uh, social media. If you ever want to feel bad about what you do when you go to the gym, Watch Tristan Wirth's oh, workout. It's like, well, gosh. I did 10 sit-ups and a bit of Joe Wicks today, but not quite the same. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so uh, Wayne has asked. We covered this a little bit, but mm. so most NFL fans say the London games have been a phenomenal success raising the profile. Where's the NFL in the UK going next? So I think we talked about the game, but maybe about the sort of the permeation of the, of the fandom. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of things. I think the academy will continue to be a priority the nfl academy i think they're going to start playing games this year so it was a shame george was there two years uh, as their quarterback and didn't play a game because of covid and everything and actually when he had some calls with division one coaches in uh in america that was kind of an issue it was like well, we just needed to see that last bit of game film so i think there'd be a an emphasis on the academy i think this is something maybe for down the road but something to watch the nfl's uh launching this scheme in the States where teams can, a certain handful of teams can market themselves outside of uh, their, you know, their region, you know, so San Francisco who have links with Leeds United could pick the UK as a team, a place where they want to market themselves. Uh, The Bucks could do that and potentially play a game in Manchester. You connect the dots. Um, you know, Leeds could be a host in an NFL game down the road because of something like that. Then, so it's not just that the UK is going to kind of belong to the Jags. I think we might see other teams see the fandom here, see the passion of the games. And what the NFL are willing to do is know they've got their two games per year in Tottenham, which is already a contractual agreement, but will the Jags negotiate a deal with Wembley? Will the 49ers negotiate a separate deal and play somewhere else in the UK? Would the Bucks do that? Would the Rams do that? You know, there's all these connections mm-hmm. that you can make. I'm just fascinated to see which teams want to invest further into the UK because, you know, we have made America sit up and take notice. Brilliant. Right. Awesome. Uh, Second to last question. So JD has asked, how difficult is it to prepare for triple headers on Sky finishing in the early hours? Do you have catnaps? No catnaps, JD. Uh, lucky if you get toilet breaks. Uh, I'm not quite <laughs> Scott Hansen, but uh, it's pretty close. So we, so my my kind of prep starts midweek. I'll watch the games from the previous week of the teams we've got on Sky. Um, then 
it's, it's kind of always ongoing because I'm always writing about the NFL Wednesday, right? Power rankings column this year on Thursday or Friday. I'm going to do a mailbag column uh, for NFL.com. So I'm kind of always writing about the teams anyway. But then Friday is a big research day, make all my notes. Um, I'm still pretty old school and do a lot of handwritten notes. Um, Saturday is a note writing day. Saturday night, Sunday morning, I get the running order and the script. So I'll write out what I need for that to go from you know, point A to point B to C. And then when the games start, it's it's just fast and furious. You know, we've had a couple of journos in to cover how we cover the sport. And, you know, they've, they've kind of mentioned, I don't really take my eyes off the screens. And I've got one right there that's the main game. And then I've got red zone there. So I'm watching our game and I'm like, there's a touchdown in Miami. Get me that ready for the next update. There's another bit of play there. There's a touchdown in Tampa. Get me that. And then when we come off the break of the main game, then we're doing red zone. You know, I'm doing all of the bits that we've kind of collated. So it's kind of full on from five till one when we kind of hand over or half 12-ish, we hand over to football night in America. So you actually, you're so kind of energized by it. You wouldn't, you'd never be able to have a cat nap. And actually the one fortunate, it's kind of fortunate and unfortunate in a way, but I live an hour and a half drive from Sky, which is kind of sometimes a pain but it's also just about timed where by the time I'm pulling up on my driveway, I'm ready for a sleep. Now we've done games before. We did games a couple of years ago. We did a game, obviously the playoffs are a challenge. They go through until five in the morning, then you're back uh, not that long ago, not that long after. There was a game where we did, I think it might've been a season opener and it was in Denver on a Thursday night. And it was, it was delayed by thunderstorms. So it started even later. I think it finished about five o'clock. And I got to the bottom of my road at about quarter past six in the morning. And there was some temporary traffic lights. So there was no traffic <laughs> around. There was some temporary traffic lights and I got stopped there. And then I just woke up. I woke <laughs> up like five minutes, 10 minutes later. And there was still nothing behind me. And I was like, I looked at the watch. I was like, I've just lost, ten. oh my God, I've fallen asleep at the traffic lights. <laughs> I've never fallen asleep or come close to it while driving. But I think because I pulled up, I had to wait for these traffic lights for a while. I just literally was like. <laughs> was, yeah, so it's, um, but actually during the shows, it's a real buzz. And we're, watch, we're the same as everyone else. We're watching with excitement. I like the fact that we now bring in the Red Zone stuff. Because people can go off and watch Red Zone uh, and everything that Scott Hansen does is fantastic. You can watch all of that, but people sometimes still like the main game or a game. So what, what we decided was we're going to give you the main game, but we're also going to give you all the red zone stuff. So if you want to just come and watch us, we'll give you a complete picture of what's happening that night across the NFL. And actually, I think one of the first years this has happened, last year, our main game audience figures uh, out, outpaced red zone. So it was, which showed the kind of people still want to watch a main game. Um, so yeah, lots of fun. That's fantastic. So it's kind of like a duck on water. Above it all looks calm and serene, but underneath... Oh, constant. And, and constantly it's like, it's Neil, here's this. Neil, here's that. And, and literally 22-yard pass in this game in, in Cleveland. There's been a 40-yard catch. We think someone's been ejected. Someone's got injured here. It's constant. Literally non-stop. Yeah, and it's... From, and some of our guests actually don't wear the earpiece. They just like to watch the game. They know that I'm going to guide them through kind of what we're doing. 
for me, there's a constant conversation going on the whole time, you know, and it's talking to the gallery back and forth. Talk, they're often talking to me, you know, sometimes we'll do a red zone roundup and they've thrown in five plays that I haven't even got an idea what they are, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm calling them as they're saying next up is touchdown for, yeah, whoever it is. And, and you, you just do it on the fly. But, you know, again, I follow the sport every day. I write about it every day. I'm ready to kind of comment on anything. So, um, yeah. But we, should, like- but we should say at this point and make it clear once and for all, there's no point tweeting Neil saying, why isn't this team being shown on Sky? And he doesn't <laughs> know when you're going to get your London tickets. Would you like the process? Would you like to know the process? I'll take you behind the curtain. If so you, you have can, time. You can have a go at me a little bit on the game selection. There is a group of people that decide the games. It's And I am one of them. So it's myself. It's my producer. There is an analytics person from Sky. There is a head of NFL UK. And there is an analytics from NFL UK. And between the kind of five or six of us in that small group, we do pick the games. So you can kind of have a little pop at me about the game selection. Um, I do love all 32 teams equally. But whoever you support, I hate your team, apparently. So I hate your team. Um, London game tickets. Oh, my goodness. No, it's nothing to do with me, that one. I don't know about it. I don't get involved in it. Um, I share fans' frustration but at times. But I don't jump in because I don't know what any solution is on that. I stay quiet or I'm kept quite out of that conversation. So... Um, but yeah, I get, I get, I get that. I get the Sky Games. I get uh, Game Pass issues are, are my fault. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a few. Oh, sometimes the shop goes wrong. Um, apparently, I've been stocking the shop. So, um, but look, it's all. <laughs> Which jersey didn't turn up? <laughs> but, but in a way, is that in a way I get, and I'm only joking. I do not mind anyone who tweets me about anything. And if people feel like I can help or raise an issue, I get where they're coming from. Um, it's actually a compliment that they they want to blame me. It is. It's your figurehead. It is. I think. Okay, so final. It's a bit final annoying question. though sometimes. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> final question from Phil: Who are your NFL idols when it comes to broadcasting? And obviously, I know you're you're a journalist first and foremost as well, so you can stick to the written word as well if that's also preferable. Oh well, then written word would be Peter King. I think he's brilliant. Love Peter. Love the the access he gets. I think his how much he's trusted by people around the league. Enjoyed having Peter join me on an NFL UK live tour. And since then, we've had him on Sky every Sunday night. Um, He gives us something that we just don't have. We just don't have that ability to say, oh, yeah, I was sat with Drew Brees in the Saints meeting room yesterday before the game. We don't get that, you know. So Peter's an excellent writer, really good friend. Um, Commentators-wise, kind of grew up with John Madden, loved the Madden uh, Pat Summerall games always felt like it was a big game when John Madden was commentating. I think I wanted to have the bus that you could drive around the country in, like he did. Read his books, loved, just loved that. Actually, loved, loved the kind of travel log side of his life, not just the fact that he was a um, he was a coach of an absolute bunch of renegades with the Raiders, but then an amazing commentator. And then I think. Do you know what? Sometimes when I'm comment or not commentating, but I'm trying to get information out on on Sky, and sometimes it's funny. You guess some people will say, "Well, you know, you're dumbing it down, or you're not giving us enough." Or 
And, and then I watch Al Michaels. And sometimes he's just like, welcome to Tampa, where Tom Brady's played really well for the last month. And actually, because it's Al Michaels saying it, it just sounds so authoritative. You don't need any numbers to go with it. You just know you're watching the Bucks with the red hot quarterback. Um, I love the simplicity and authority of Al Michaels. I think that's great. Um, but, they, you know, I, lo- I watch with interest a lot of them. Um, you know, Rich Eisen, I think, does a great job. I'm not much for the for the kind of big shouters, you know, I think. And I don't mind that with a pundit as much, but sometimes when a, a host is going to get all shouty and stuff, and you know, and that's why, you know, I think I, I think I bring a quite a British sort of approach to covering the NFL. You know, I'm not a shouter. Um, you know, I'm a fan like everyone else. We take the mickey out of each other. You know, I'm I'm quite happy to do that with players on tours or with pundits I have in the studio. That's kind of how we watch the games as Brits, isn't it, really? Fantastic. Thank you ever so much. So that's that's the, the questions over. Now, I was going to give you a slot here to plug. You've been doing good. Good job of plugging as we went along. So there's the Neil Reynolds podcast. That's the thing to listen to. There's the, the Gridiron. So it's an annual this year, isn't it, Gridiron? Yeah, it's just, a, well, so Gridiron's, a, obviously, they're a monthly thing, but I do a, I do a season preview anyway every year and it's it's kind of in association with them so um yeah i apologize in advance josh allen is on the cover couldn't get couldn't get time with tb12 so um but yeah it's uh basically breaking down every team there's exclusive interviews with uh josh allen urban meyer um brian fitzpatrick uh so yeah there's lots of good coverage in there some analysis from kurt warner brian baldinger josh mccown um crikey there's a lot of bucks connections yeah. Oh, <laughs> start, when you start laying it out we'll start our um, own coaching tree now we're actually winning yeah exactly <laughs> and then um obviously i'll be writing on nfl.com all through the season the neil reynolds podcast starts um next week and we'll run all the way through the super bowl every week and then yeah you can catch me on uh so we'll be like it there'll be a midweek show on sky i don't know if it's going to be called inside the huddle still but we're going to be looking back at the big talking points from the week and then, yeah, you can find me at five o'clock on Sky Sports NFL every Sunday. And that's, that's pretty much me. Fantastic. Thank you. And uh, our last plug is just to say thank you to Bucks Report for their help in promoting the podcast. Have you got any sort of closing statement for the Bucks UK faithful? Uh, you've been through a lot of suffering. A lot, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some more than others but enjoy the good times these are the good times and i think i think they are um they are good times i think they're contenders again and with a quarterback about to turn 44 uh, and a coach in his late 60s uh, my message is to all of us age is just a number thank you neil we really appreciate your time and giving it to us thank you adam and gary as well yeah thanks guys and thank you for watching we'll see you next time bye